0: I had a total of 11 jobs between the ages of 11 and 17, just trying to help and support my mom.
1: When I gave away my ATS resume template, that I used to charge $3,000 for. If I were someone that wanted to work with you, I think the thing that would resonate with me the most is the fact that you have been as far as they will fall. I gave her all my videos, and today she sent me a message saying, I got my first client, and I could not be happier for her. On my show, one thing I love to do is really get context into people's journey. I sold eggs. I sold vegetables door-to-door. I sold newspapers. I do it because I truly care to help. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Blaze Your Own Trail podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Mendoza. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Blaze Your Own Trail podcast. My name is Jordan Mendoza. I'm your host, and I've got a very special guest today. His name is Vic Tipnez, and hopefully I, I said that correctly, Vic, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to have him tell you a little bit about who he is and what he does today.
0: Yeah, so um, I'm a healthcare entrepreneur, built the, the largest medical sleep testing company in the country, or if not the world. Uh, and We're an international company. We have offices in North America, South America. We're opening an office in Mexico City this year too. And you know, I'm excited to be on the show and chat a little more with you.
1: Awesome, man, awesome. Well, my favorite part of the show, as we kind of talked off air, is really taking a rewind, man, and finding out about your journey. And the show is all about blazing your own trail and everything that i've done my research on you definitely qualify as a trailblazer and i know that you're not you're just getting started man you're not stopping anytime soon so let's take a a rewind so if you can share with the audience you know where were you born and raised and let's talk about those formative years elementary middle to high school and then what kind of stuff did you get into
0: so you know i was born in in leicester england 1976 I grew up in England and you know we, we were actually, you know, upper middle class in, in the UK and you know, went to private school and all this stuff. And then yeah, I remember all the snow we had and all that stuff. And then it was I was around seven, eight years old when we moved to Tallahassee, Florida. My dad bought a, a small motel, twenty-five unit motel there called Ponce de Leon. For you guys that don't know who Ponce de Leon is, he was the guy that supposedly found the fountain of youth here in Florida in Tallahassee. Or maybe he found it in Florida, supposedly. Anyway, and we pretty much, you know, went from this nice posh lifestyle to living in a motel, working in the motel. And I, I grew up there pretty much from the age of, you know, seven or eight till I was about, you know, 18 years old.
1: Awesome, man. Awesome. And so what was that experience like? Anytime I think about living in a hotel, you know, you think of like Home Alone 2, right? The kid gets to live in the hotel. Yeah. And, and I'm sure it was a little bit different than that in the tallahassee area so i'd love for you to just share a little context what are some lessons that maybe you learned from seeing your dad have this business you know he's probably he's on the grind every day you mentioned family work there you probably had stuff to do so what are some early lessons that you learned in seeing your dad have that business and also seeing another side right because you said you came from this posh lifestyle in england and then now here you are in in a hotel in the United States and I'm, I'm sure it was a little bit different of an environment. So I'd love to really get your, your take on what that was like, what the transition was like. And then also, you know, I don't know, did you have an English accent when you arrived? Cause you don't have one now. So I'm just curious on how all that played out.
0: No, I had a proper English accent and it's funny because if I go back to the UK, it comes back like in a week, like I'm back, you know, talking like the Brits, you know, talking exactly exact, like it just comes back. So it's just natural to me. When I came here, I had to adjust. You know, I got picked on because I had this British accent. You know, this skinny kid. You know, I had a British accent, Tallahassee, Florida. Like, you know, what the fuck? So, you know, it wasn't home alone, too. I can promise you that. You know, my dad was a, a very frugal person, and he was a very hardworking man. My mom also, and we grew up in a motel, and and every every weekend it was work. You know, we were fixing things because, you know, we didn't we couldn't afford to call a maintenance guy or electrician or whatever. So I grew up doing manual labor like my whole life. That's why now I have this kind of like resistance to going to Home Depot. I did a video about it on TikTok one day. I was just like, dude, you'll never see me at Home Depot. I have no like interest in doing, you know, weekend around the house work. Cause I did so much of it. Like we, you know, we were putting Freons in air conditioning. We were putting tar on the roof. Like I'm talking about real work, you know, putting concrete slabs down, breaking concretes. we had to fix a pipe underneath the, you know, the toilet in the bathroom and we spend the whole weekend doing that type of stuff. So I can hang drywall and do all that shit, but I don't want to anymore cause I just did it my entire life. You know? Yeah. So,
1: no, now, I, I know the feeling, man.
0: <laughs> you know, I, was, so I, like, I didn't
1: do any, freon or acs or repairs but so i met my dad when i was 12 and, and my dad's uh, you know philippine immigrant jump ship in the 80s for to get a piece of that american dream and and i go out to dc from oregon to meet him at 12 and he has a landscaping business so I i didn't do you know some of the stuff you did but you better believe i was you know landscaping mulching digging holes learning all this stuff and i realized real quick that was not for me and i remember my dad saying like Man, one day you're going to take over this business. And I'm like, I'm not meant for this, bro. Like, this is not my style. I'm meant to communicate, to talk to people. And I can't go eight hours without communicating. Like, it, it was rough. And then I had to learn Spanish because his crew didn't speak English. And so I'm, a kid that grew up in Oregon with my white mom and I'm coming to DC and I'm learning Spanish. And so I just, you know, so the language thing, man, I was just like, this is not the life for me. So eventually I got, you know, kept doing sales, got into property management. So I definitely can relate to like, I hire landscapers. Like I don't want to do it. I don't want to touch grass. I don't even want to look at it, bro. So I can completely understand.
0: Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I grew up doing it so much, I was like, I don't want to do this. But I remember being, you know, seventeen, eighteen years old thinking, this is not how you expand. And my my dad, God bless him, had a very limited mindset in that he felt like he was saving a dollar and he was, but when you have a mindset of trying to save a dollar, you're not gonna make a million dollars. Like you can't you can't think that way. You have to think with, okay, how do you expand? How do you get out of you know, doing everything yourself, you know, like my dad was never going to save his way to being a multimillionaire. Like my dad didn't, didn't reach those, those levels of being a multimillionaire because he was, he was always focused more on the, the, how do I save a dollar here, save a dollar there, as opposed to, you know, okay, how do I replace myself? How do I expand?
1: Yeah. And it's funny because my dad is actually similar. He's getting ready to retire, you know, from 40 years of having this business and he's really got nothing to show for man. Like he, He he only has his paper business cards that he made in 1986. He still got the same ones. Like he didn't invest in marketing. He didn't invest on he's bro. He's not raised his prices. I'm like, and I tell my son, I'm like, listen, your grandpa's had a business 40 years, but I'm going to tell you some, some things that I want you to take away from the way he did it because he's about to retire. And he, and he's, is he going to have some type of social security and stuff like that? Yes. But he's not going to have a legacy because of it. And so I'm trying to tell my, my 17 year old, like, listen, here's some lessons I learned from my dad. And here's some things that I won't take away from my dad that I'm gonna actually do the opposite in business because like you said, he's not actually building something that's sustainable or that he can even really pass down to us because once he's gone, like my brother's not gonna take it over. I'm not gonna, I have no interest in in taking it over. And so then it's kind of, we did this 40 years for what, right?
0: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you got nothing to show for at the end of the day. So no, I completely agree with you.
1: So let's talk about. You're 13 years old. You get this idea to put out an ad. Uh, So tell the audience a little bit about this this story. You know, you you were. I think you mentioned. I read somewhere you you got your brother gave you a pair of his aviators, and then you you put an ad in the paper, and a guy shows up at your door, and then you end up making a sixty dollar sales. Can you give some background on that? And then uh, I'd love to get into the car stuff as well. I know that you uh, had some experience working at a, a dealership.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, yeah, I was about 12 years old, I think. And I, my brother, my oldest brother had some Ray-Ban sunglasses. He ended up giving to me for some reason. I don't know why, but I ended up having them. And then I was like, dude, I'm not, I'm not going to wear these. I was 12 years old. So I I got the idea. I'm like, I'm going to sell them. I'll make some money. So I called the the Tallahassee Tribune. This was, you know, when you had to call and make an ad and, and I was able to get them to send me a bill because I didn't have an account it was $6 or $7 a place to add. So I just put the ad for the Ray-Ban sunglasses, you know, like new call, if interested, blah, blah, blah. And then I got calls. And then I told this one dude, I'm like, yeah, just come over. And he shows up at my house, knocking on my doors, grown ass, man. (laughs) You know, Is like, Hey, I'm here to see Vic about the sunglasses. And my dad's like, Hey, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. I came out, made the deal. Dude, I sold it for 60 bucks, paid my eight bucks. Yeah, you know, I made fifty-two dollar profit. That's a lot of money for a twelve-year-old. That's know? a
1: nice little transaction at twelve, a hundred percent.
0: Yeah, was I was, was falling out at Chuck E. Cheese, man. I was balling out.
1: Of- <laughs> <laughs> so, so what? What were your thoughts there? Obviously, you're like, man, I think I can do this again, right? I'm sure that probably crossed your mind, like, wow, if I could repeat this. But what? What did you end up doing now that you kind of had that sale, right? Not only the sale, but you got to think about like you took initiative, you actually reached out, you spoke with somebody, you had them send you. I mean, that's a whole system and a process that you built at 12. And there's plenty of 12 year olds that wouldn't think like that in 2022. So what did you use with that new asset? I think if as an asset, right, you you had this skill set that you developed. So what did you do with that going forward?
0: I mean, I think I just always I cultivated it, right? I, I knew that it was, you know, I thought everybody thought like that, to be honest with you. I didn't realize until I got a lot older recently that I realized that not everybody thinks the same way. So for me, I was just like, okay, that's just normal. I didn't think of it as a special like attribute. I was just like, who wouldn't do this? Like, it's just obvious to me. It was like, why wouldn't somebody do this? Like, you're not, I'm not, what am I going to do with these sunglasses? Just fucking sell them, you know? And then it it just started to kind of like, you know, it kind of to unfold as I got older and I started to see opportunities, I would just act on it. And I was just like, I just thought that was normal. I didn't think it was anything unique at all.
1: Yeah. And, and that's what is unique is action, right? I mean, especially now, there's so many people that are so comfortable being comfortable. You know, no one wants to be unstable, and instability is what creates stability, not the, not the other way around, you know? So what would you say to people that have a hard time taking action? What would you, what was like one or two tips you would give today?
0: Well, I mean, I think people that don't take action just, I guess the best advice would be just like, you got to get out of your head and you got to do something. Like you don't want to be known for a guy that just talks all the time. You got to take some action and you got to move. That's the only way anything's going to happen. It's like the secret, right? The biggest fraud about the secret is that they don't talk about any, any sort of action. You know, like you're just going to sit around and dream up a, an amazing life. This is not going to happen. People got to understand that. And or they think they're actually taking a lot of action. The reality is they're not. You know, so many people are so inactive, so inactive, and they don't understand the amount of effort it takes to actually create something great in their life, like how much effort and action you have to constantly be in action to get something done. And I think sometimes the only way for somebody that is inactive to see it is to be around somebody that's active and be like, oh, wow. Like it's not an accident that somebody's successful.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Success leaves clues 100%, right? You see someone else doing it, and all of a sudden you're like, how do they have the things that they have? Like, why are they, you know, moving the ball down the field? And why am I sitting here on the bench? Like what's going on? And so it's all about, I think, perspective, but also seeing those examples is is 100% huge. Let's talk high school, man. So how was high school for you? Is it something you enjoyed for, for me i hated it honestly i am you know, basically scathed my way through barely you know and i was just that disruptive kid that was daydreaming and imagining about what i was going to do after school so I, and i was a break dancer for 10 years too so that that helped get the ladies in high school and you know doing windmills in the halls and stuff like that but that was more my focus was just trying to have some fun so what was the experience like for you
0: I hated high school. I hated it. I mean, I played sports, played soccer in high school and all that stuff, but I hated it from the aspect of, I just knew that school wasn't for me. Like all I did in high school, I I'm surprised I even, I graduated like just, I got C's and D's and F's never paid attention in class. I was always daydreaming about the shit I was going to be doing in the future. And I just knew that like high school wasn't for me. Like I, I was not going to be, you know, a road scholar and, you know, go get a degree and all this stuff. Like it just wasn't for me. And it wasn't because I was dumb. It's just, it just wasn't for me. I didn't want to apply my, my energy to that. So, you know, I just, I focused on just playing sports and girls really. It was, it was pretty much it. that was my life at that time. And I was just, you know, being a kid, but I was always, I was always focusing on the future. Like, what did I want to do? How I was going to do it? Like I knew I wanted to be a businessman. I knew that I want to be an entrepreneur. So I, I was just always kind of just really kind of carefree. I never really stressed about stuff. I wasn't worried about my future. None of that. I was just like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I, just, I had to get older, really. It was kind of one of those things where I was just waiting.
1: Yeah, I know that, that resonates with me a lot. So what did you do after high school? Did you, did you get a job? You know, did you continue to work at the hotel? And when did this car dealership role come into play?
0: I think right after I graduated high school, I had some other jobs. And then I pretty much at that point started working at a dealership selling cars. So I really wanted to, I knew at that age, like I, I needed to learn how to sell better. Right. And I was already a good salesperson, but I wanted to get better. So I decided to go sell cars and I was like, Within a few months I was salesman of the month, like every month. And I was I was doing great as an 18-year-old selling cars. And then I, I got recruited by Porsche Mercedes, which was a, a great compliment in, in the town I was in, Tallahassee, the you know, the Porsche Mercedes Ferrari dealership there it actually came over and, and recruited me to work work for them. And so that was a great compliment as an 18-year-old. I thought I was the shit, you know. I was like, man, fucking Porsche wants me to fucking sell for then I'm like, fuck it, you know. And everybody else was like, you know, 8,000 years old over there. So I was like the youngest, youngest guy. And I did that for a while. And then, you know, at the same time, my dad had his business, his motel business. And, you know, my dad's, my my parents' health wasn't great. So my mom called me and she was like, hey, I need you to come help us out. So I literally just packed up, like literally overnight, packed up my shit. I drove to Tampa and ended up, you know, living with my parents from 18 to maybe 20, 21, 22 years old, just working with my dad. Trying to help him in his business, but I had no I had no ambitions to take that business and grow it. Like I did not want to be in the motel business. I I fucking hate that business. So I was just like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. So then I was thinking about the next thing. Okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And then an opportunity came where I was like, okay, I want to be in healthcare because my parents were sick. I was going to healthcare facilities. I I saw that the service in healthcare facilities was horrible for the most part. You know, they treat you like cattle. And so I thought, oh, here's an opportunity for me to get into a, into a space that I feel like I can make a big difference. Plus I knew at that age, like the hotel business is very, very dependent on the economy, right? Gas prices go up, something happens, terrorism, blah, blah, blah. People stop traveling. And all of a sudden you, know, you got this big, you know, hotel asset. People aren't coming to stay and spend money. So it wasn't something I wanted to be involved with.
1: Makes sense. Makes hundred percent sense. So what was that first role in healthcare? And what do you remember kind of from that, maybe first 90 days in it? Did you kind of know then that it was something you wanted to pursue for the long haul?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that I really love healthcare. I think healthcare is an amazing industry to be in. I highly encourage a lot of people to get into the healthcare space. And one of the reasons I put out so much content about healthcare is that I want to encourage more entrepreneurs to be in healthcare. But I love healthcare from the very beginning. I just, I loved every, I loved all the different aspects of it. I learned a lot in my first company that I started, that I built up, and then I sold and made no money. I sold it for $9 million and walked away with like 150 grand, you know, was in debt, all types of stuff. It's just, I made every entrepreneurial mistake you you could imagine. But what I did gain was a lot of experience, you know, and I gained a lot of know-how about what I should do and what I shouldn't do the next time around. So I pretty much was, you know, I worked for the company that bought me out for about four years. And during that four years i was trying to figure out okay what am i going to do because I, I knew that i wasn't going to continue to work for somebody else i needed to start my own thing again but i needed to figure out what that was and then i got an email from a buddy of mine at the time about medical testing related to sl- the sleep industry and it was like boom that's it and I, I got the idea and i was like okay that's it so then i built a company around that literally from my kitchen like i just started in my kitchen i had one or two devices and I remember meeting the, the sales rep that sells the device at Panera Bread here in Tampa. And I was like, hey, dude, like I'm going to build the largest sleep testing company in the country. He's like, yeah, 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 whatever. I hear that shit all the time. Right. Seven years later, he calls me. He's like, well, you weren't fucking kidding, were you? And I'm like, no, motherfucker. I fucking told you I was going to do it. So anyway, but that's how I got started in the game. And that's what I did.
1: So, man, it's awesome, right? It's awesome that you found it and you and it just kind of clicked like this. This is that space. And there's something about when you commit like that. When you commit and you tell yourself that you're going to go all in on something, there's something yeah. that just I feel like perpetually continues to push you yeah. and gives you the energy to keep going. And so less than a decade ago, or maybe in 2013, I think it was, you'd mentioned you were three days away from bankruptcy. Can you talk a little bit about that, man? Because I think there's something to be said about people that go, to go through adversity, right? Because some people stay in it and they let, them, you know, let that adversity keep them down, but yeah. you went through it. So can you talk a little bit about what your mindset was like and what happened and how were you able to actually pull yourself out?
0: Yeah, sure. So, you know, it, it was 2013. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was, a, it was like a Tuesday afternoon and I got a call. I was going to pick up my my two boys and I got a call from my business partner at the time and he it was like around five o'clock and he was just like, hey, you know, our the investor that was, was helping me fund the losses called him and was basically like, hey, I'm, he's not going to put any more money in the business. He doesn't believe in the business model. And at that point, financially for me, I was I was tapped out. All my credit cards were maxed out. I was just finalizing my divorce, so I had no money. I, I had a place to stay. That was about it, you know, furniture on the floor, that type of thing. And he was just like, "Hey, so." Then he hits me with another bomb. He's like, "What?" And, and, and so I I then asked him. I said, "Yeah, but you got some money that you can put in, right?" And he goes, "Oh, well, I've been meaning to tell you that I actually want out too." So then I was okay. So this guy's out. The other investor's out. And it was the pinnacle point. I think, I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably, or people in life generally go through situations like this, either I call them defining moments. And I was just like, I literally just made a decision at that moment in time. And, and I remember like, it was just yesterday. I was like, I'm like, this ain't going to be my story. I'm like, I made a decision. I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it go right. Like, I'm going to make this thing win. And I'm not going to go out. Like, what the fuck was I going to do? Like, we're going to go cut grass. I had nothing to fall back on. I don't have a college degree. I don't have a trade. I can't go fucking, you know, be electrician or some shit and make money or an attorney or nothing. So I was like, this isn't going to be my defining moment. Like, I'm like, you know, fuck you. So I was like, okay, dude, you know what? If you're out, it's cool. Give me your stock back so I can go raise money, but I'm not going to fucking quit. And then I literally hung up the phone and I literally got to work and I started calling people that I knew. And I, that week I had payroll. I think our payroll at the time was like 20 grand. I think I had like eight or nine employees or 10 employees, and I only had, I had no, I had $78 to my name at the time, and I had no, nowhere to leverage anything. So I went and I think we had $2,500 in our checking account in the business. Payroll was 20 grand. So I literally start calling friends. I'm like, hey, can I borrow five grand, 10 grand, whatever to make payroll? And I was able to scrape up like $18,000 to make payroll. And I'm literally like, putting the money in the account the day before payroll is going to draw. I got through payroll, but then I was, I was short. I was short 150 grand to get me through the next, you know, three months. Didn't know how I was going to make payroll the following two weeks. Cause we were, we were losing, you know, 40, 50 grand a month at the time. So I, I got through the week, I got through that week. And then I was like, okay, you know, I went, I just went to work, man. I didn't throw a pity party and, and all that shit. I was literally on the phone calling, 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 calling and getting people like, you know, I had. I had a business that had some life, right? It had a heartbeat and it was almost there. So I had something that people were interested in like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, so, okay. You're, you're doing revenue, but you're short. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. But then, you know, three to four months down the road, I had some contracts that were going to hit to where it was going to make the company at least break even. So again, I wasn't, you know, we weren't, Sinking where somebody wasn't like, oh, well, fuck, I'm not putting money in that, right? But some people looked at it that way, and others didn't. So I had, you know, three or four people that were like, hey, I'll, I'll put in put in some cash. I had a, a few few people that put in some cash. I think it was like, you know, fifty grand at the time. Raise the money, and and those those three or four investors are still with me today. They're they're fifty grand's worth, millions of dollars now. They're very happy, but they hit a home run. I hit a home run because I was able to to cover the shortfall in a short period of time and, and and move on, but yeah, there were there were many scenarios like that 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 happened that were kind of close calls, but yeah, if I didn't if I didn't have the the friends to reach out to to get a few thousand bucks, you know, would I still would I be here talking to you? Probably not. You wouldn't be talking to me.
1: <laughs> hey, also, also, though, bro, like you had to freaking suck your ego up, suck your pride up and make those calls. I mean, it's not easy, right? Like, let's speak to the person like right now. There's somebody that's going to watch or listen to this when it airs. That's in that situation. They're 78 bucks away from bankruptcy, but their ego is so far up their butt yeah. that they don't want to make that call. So what would you say to them?
0: I mean, I think you got to put your ego aside. Right. I mean, I had employees that were counting on me for their, you know, for their families, for their, you know, for to put food on their table. So if I didn't do everything that I could possibly do, then I wouldn't be able to look myself in the mirror. Like at the end of the day, I mean, whether I was able to raise the money or not, at least I, I wanted to be able to look myself in the mirror and be like, Hey, I did everything I possibly could. And I still do that today. Like I, I like, look, okay. Did I do everything that I possibly could do to make the situation go right? And so if somebody's going to sit on their ego and be like, well, I have too much pride to reach out to this person, and ask for money. I mean, you're just dumb, dude. Like, don't be dumb. Don't be stupid. You know, you got to think about all the people that, you, that you're responsible for.
1: 100%. Yeah, and, I believe in that. And I guarantee you, because you did that, the culture was strong, right? Your company culture was strong because people saw you going to bat. People saw you making these hard calls and they knew that you were trying to stick up for them. You're fighting for them. And that, man, that means a lot.
0: Yeah. I mean, dude, I'd be on the phone sometimes with a vendor just for like a half a day, just trying to get them to shut, not shut me off. And we didn't have any money. So I was like, dude, like I was the king of a post check.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you got, you got to do what you got to do, bro. Right. You got, you got to make it happen. And, and you were willing to do it, you know, at all costs without, you know, obviously selling your soul off. Like you're, you were willing to put in those reps and, you know, ask and ask and ask. And, and as you know, man, like you don't get anything you don't ask for. <laughs> There's people that are like, man, like life sucks. And I'm like, have you asked anybody? Have you asked any questions to anybody? Because you have to, you know, like if, if you don't ask someone, the answer is always no.
0: Yeah, of course. Of course. No, you, you got to be out there, man. You got to be out there. You got to be willing to put yourself out there. You're not going to get shit sitting at home, not putting yourself out there.
1: So, so let's talk about, you know, the next eight years, seven years, five years, right? Because I know that there's been you know, tremendous growth. I mean, you're, you're all over the world now. You're about to open up in Mexico City. So what was that like? And, and when, when was there this kind of paradigm shift where you saw that trajectory just started to shift and go upwards?
0: I think it was in 18, 2018 was when it really started to shift really started to change and I think I think that happened because I changed the way that I was viewing the world and I was the way I was viewing what I was really responsible for and what I wasn't you know and I realized you know prior to that I probably wasn't as focused as an entrepreneur I was distracted a lot right I was distracted with with friends with girls with all this stuff and it was just like a big distraction for me and I felt like I kind of took inventory of of where I was and where my attention was you know and I probably to be honest, I probably had 60 to maybe 50% attention on the business and we were still growing, right? I mean, I was still growing at 40%, but in 2018, I really looked at it and I'm like, why am I not growing enough? What is missing where that, that is preventing me from exploding? And it was really attention and it was, it was where I was putting my attention every single day. And so, you know, I looked at some of the most successful people in the world. And what I realized is the most successful people in the world have very stable personal relationships. Look at Christian Ronaldo, right? The most successful guy in in the world in his profession. And he's got a very stable relationship, which allows him to focus 99% on his craft and his passion as opposed to 50 or 60%. And so I really just started looking at other people that were very successful. And I was like, okay, these people have stable lifestyles. And I, when I looked at my lifestyle, I wasn't stable. I wasn't a stable person. So I was like, okay, how do, how do I, what do I need to do? And so I just started making really tough decisions. And I started cutting people off that were not helping me be stable in my life. Started, you know, just cutting off every single toxic relationships I, I had. And I just said, okay, this, what, what do I really want in my life? And I just started focusing on that. And I just, I got to work, you know, I really got to work. And I, I since 2018 until now, I've, I've never worked harder in my life. Like it's every single day, 99% of my time, my attention is on, is building my companies and, and focus on expanding and I'm outworking everybody else. And since then I've quadrupled the size of my business, like quadruple. Love, Love it. So I've done more in three years than I did in seven.
1: Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah. And it, and it's tough sometimes, right? To cut those people off, right? It's, it's hard because some of the things it's fun, right? It's good fun going out. It's fun hanging with your boys. It's fun doing these things. But yep. but I love how the fact that you realize like this is hindering my growth. And mm-hmm. if I don't do something now, you're going to probably look back and say, what the heck was I up to? So I love the fact that you yeah. you know put your head down, man, you know, and you just said, I'm going to, I'm going to you know, invest my time and energy. I mean, three years to better than the last seven like that's that's massive man that's massive growth
0: yeah i did more in three years than i've done probably 15 i mean fuck seven like i've done more in three years than, than i've done in 15 years because i've just committed to success and committed to what i what i wanted to do and i got rid of every single distraction i met my wife and you know that's such a she's such a stable influence in my life and it's like you know i have such a stable environment like we never argue. i've never we've never had an argument you know, the three years we've been together and that's a huge attribute. And then having, you know, very stable people around me in my professional life, my personal life has just been huge. You know, yeah. so when you can grow more in three years and you've done in 15, it's like,
1: yeah, that's massive. hundred yeah. percent. So I'd love to talk about that growth. Right. I mean, you're now, I think. 400 or so employees, right? I'm a company of one. So I can't imagine, you know, having 399 other people report to me. So I'd I'd love your take on, you know, how you've grown and scaled that way, because your company culture has got to be strong. I I know I've seen some of your videos, just talking about your attrition rate is is significantly lower than a lot of other companies. So what are a couple ingredients that you think attribute to that?
0: Well, I think, you know, I think a lot of it is just the culture is always from the top down, right? Uh, Unfortunately, I think a lot of the entrepreneurs that are listening to the show, you you can't listen to, you can't listen to these so-called leadership gurus online that talk about, you know, leadership. They've never run a company. I won't say names, but if you know who I'm talking about, like people that are talking about leadership and they've never run a company, you know, they just can't, they're just not. So the biggest thing I'll tell you is that company culture is from the top down. If you've got a non-engaged CEO, you're going to have a non-engaged team. If you got a CEO that's slacking off, fucking around, you're going to have a whole team and culture that's slacking off and fucking around. But if you have a CEO that's engaged and, and runs the company to the ideal standard that he or she knows it should be, then you're going to have people that try to that are going to follow that, right? And that's the simplicity of it. And the other thing people don't understand is like, you know, there's all these books out there about company culture, and yes, you want company culture, but you know the other thing is people, people, employees want want you to lead. They want somebody that's willing to make a decision. And right now, you've got a whole culture of of these so called gurus that that tell leaders that they need to run their company like a like a democracy. It's not a fucking democracy. Like, dude, Blackstone, am I coming? They, we, there's no democracy, right? It's a fucking dictatorship. Like, we're going to run it the way that we're going to run it. And either you're going to get on board with that or you're not. And if you're not, it's okay. Go find another democracy that you can be in. But companies are not governments, right? If you look at governments, look how well they they run. They're all fucking broke.
1: (laughs) Not well at all.
0: The government, they're broke. If they didn't have the ability to print money, they'd be even more broke. They'd be bankrupt, right? So companies are not democracies. Companies are, are dictatorships. Now you gotta have the right dictator. Now the word dictatorship has a negative connotation. You think, oh, dictatorship, they you're throwing people in fucking, you know, dungeons and giving them bread and water. No, dude. Like dictatorship from the aspect of like, yeah, you gotta have a leader that just makes a decision, right? You gotta have a leader that says, Hey, here's the ideal scene, here's what we're trying to go for. Are you in or are you out? Right. You you can't have a leader that's like, hey, well, hey, hey committee, what do you guys think? Bro, that there's guy, so
1: much of that. <laughs> so that much guy, of that going know, on.
0: And you have like gurus like the Simon Sinek's of the world. Tell, oh, you need to go listen. to No, dude. He doesn't run a fucking company like Simon Sinek needs to go build a company, get hundreds of employees and then go talk about leadership. Until then, he needs to like sit down and let the adults talk like the guy has no clue what he's doing. He has no clue what he's doing. He's never done it. You can't go sing Kumbaya and all this bullshit. That's not how you run a business, right? You have to run a profitable business. In order to be profitable, you have to say, hey, this is what we're going for. Like I tell our employees all the time, we want to be immensely profitable. We want to be shitting cash. We don't want to have thin margins. We want to have big margins. Why? Because we want to be around next year, 10 years, 20 years from now right? You're not going to get there singing Kumbaya. And that's what all these people have failed. Like they, These leaders just get soft, man. They get really soft. They listen to this Kumbaya bullshit and they think, oh, this is the way to go. I need to have a, a get my employees together and listen to them and empathize. No, dude. No. No, you need to lead. You need to step up to the plate. You need to make the tough decisions. You need to make the decisions that are best for the business that help the business. So if you take care I've always followed this philosophy. If you take care of the business, the business will take care of you. If you make bad decisions for your business, right, meaning overpaying for shit, keeping employees on your payroll that you shouldn't, but you feel bad that, you know, oh, well, but they're, you know, they're relatives or this. or No, dude, like there's none of that shit here. Like if you perform, you're going to be here. You're going to be paid well. You don't perform, you're out. Like we're not going to fuck around for the business and, and make the business pay for something that the business shouldn't pay for. That's not how you run a business. That's how you go bankrupt right? And, yeah. and 65% of companies in the, in the in the United States are broke. They're not making money. 65% of businesses are making no money.
1: That's a huge and, number, man.
0: Yeah. And when you go into then you start peeling the onion back. What you see is probably got a Simon Sinek book sitting on their fucking counter, singing Kumbaya, having all this bullshit going on. And they're not like making the decision saying, Hey, dude, let's let's work. Like, let's make the tough decisions. Oh, we got to get rid of these 10 people because they're not productive. So instead of yeah. dicking around with that, get rid of. Them. And people yeah. don't want to make those tough decisions. And they think that reading some book is going to help them. It's not. It's not.
1: Yeah, man. And that's why I left my last company. I was there 15 years, which is unheard of in 2022. Now people stick around for like 15 days or 15 months, you know? And so I was one of the most tenured guys in my role. And I just started, we did a, a recapitalization in 2013. And man, the culture just started to take a dive. And I mean, yep. I could just kind of see it on the wall. And and one of the things that really frustrated and annoyed me about the company is they had all these task force, right? All these task force all around the US. Guess what? The same people were on every task force. It's like, how are you going to get anything done when the state... Right. It's like the sustainability task forces, these VPs and and these regionals. And it's like, why don't you get some diversity in the room? Like, have you seen what the corporate like picture looks like? And then, and then we want to talk about diversity and inclusion, but you don't want to be diverse when you're building task force. It's like I don't understand that concept. And again, it's to that's your point. Shit, <laughs> yeah, to that's your point. Like it's Kumbaya too many Kumbaya chiefs. To, yeah.
0: read a lot of books by a lot of gurus that have never done shit, and that's what you get right there. That's what people got to stop. Man. Like, if anybody gets anything out of this podcast today, stop reading books and listen to people that have never done it. You're just going to be so much better off. You're going to be so much better. It's like a dating expert coming to you saying, I'm going to hook you up with your life partner. And you ask them, like, well, are you married? No, I haven't found the right person. (laughs) (laughs) The fuck? Like what? And people will hire those people. They don't think, like, well, hold on, but you haven't done it. I get guys coming to the office years ago. They're like, hey, man, I'm going to take you to the next level. I'm like, oh, really? You gonna take me? To- okay, so tell me about your business. I'm like, okay, so you know, how many employees do you have? Oh, we don't really have any. Oh, okay, what's your revenue? Oh, we did like, you know, six hundred thousand last year. And I'm like, I'm doing that. That's I'm doing like ten million bucks at that time. I'm like, dude, you're gonna you're gonna take me, like, bro, I should be fucking charging you. But people don't. Yeah. They don't think about that. They don't think about that. Like, you really think like Warren Buffett says, like, hey, dude, I'm not gonna get financial advice from somebody that makes less money than me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, hundred like, percent.
0: What a concept. Yep. But what do people do? Oh, okay, Mr. Consultant, I'm going to pay you $15,000 a month. You're going to help me take it to the next level. Meanwhile, he's living with his fucking mom. Like, it's just ridiculous. But it happens. Happens every day.
1: A hundred percent. Every day. Happens all the time. Yep. So one thing I wanted to make sure I did on this on this episode was give a shout out to your media team. I don't know how many of them are around you right now or, or you can hear me, but I man, they, they're, they're
0: sharp right the in here. But
1: yeah, they, bro, they're they are sharp. They're on it. I mean, I see the stuff that they're putting out. You know, they're consistent and I know it takes a lot of work, man. So I just wanted to give them a huge shout out. I love I love what they do. I've been trying to connect with you and follow you on, on, you know, all the platforms because I mean, it's moving the needle. Right. And you mentioned something in one video, you're like, I don't need to be on social media. Like I'm not doing this for the money. And I love that too, because there's no pressure. Like you're just going to show up and you're going to speak your mind and you're going to educate and you're not afraid of what people think about you. So what would you say to the people that maybe have that limiting belief where they're afraid to show up? They're afraid to speak their truth on social media, but they have something To say they feel like. So what would you say to those folks?
0: Well, I think, you know, you have to make a decision about if you feel that you've got information or life experience that's going to help somebody else, you know, at at that point, do you want to keep it to yourself or do you want to help other people? I'm more for putting myself out there and saying things that I just believe in like, Hey, it may be controversial. Okay. Whatever. But I believe that it's true. And I believe that Having that piece of information has bettered my life. Right. So, if I can give you that piece of information, it's going to better your life, then it's a win win. Right. So, it's, it's a bit of duty to say, Hey, uh, why do I want to keep it to myself? A lot of the people, you know, in the healthcare space, for example, they, they don't want to tell other people to get into healthcare. They're like, No, oh, don't tell people to get into healthcare because this can create competition. Okay. Well, I don't, you know, I don't personally care. Like, dude, if you beat me and you're competitive, good for you. Like, that means I was slacking. Right, I tell my team all the time, like we don't we don't worry about competitors. We, we don't even I don't even know who our competitors are. All I know is we're kicking their ass, right? Because we're we're focused on what we're doing and making our product and services better every single day, right? So me getting out here on social media telling people to hey, get into healthcare, start a healthcare company. I want brighter minds in the healthcare space. I'm not afraid to say, hey, get into healthcare space because I'm concerned that I'm gonna somehow lose money or lose market share or whatever. I don't care. Right. Because, again, it's the best it's the best man who wins. So I think if you have something that you that you feel is, is helpful to society, I think, you know, the best thing to do is get it out. There, let other people use it.
1: Yeah, no, I 100 percent agree. And that's really how I got my journey really was actually LinkedIn was the first platform that I started to build an audience. And that was back in 2019. While I was in my corporate role. And I remember, man, like I would get so much crap from corporate because they're like, why do we see your every time we open LinkedIn, we see Jordan's face like what is going on here? Are you working? And I'm like, I post a video in the morning. I might post one in the evening. And am I getting my job done? And they're like, yes. I'm like, so why are we even having this conversation? Like it's, it's pointless. And then I got written up for it because some knucklehead, you know, 70 year old lady in accounting was like, we never see this guy around the office. I don't, he's slacking off. Meanwhile, I'm at home working on a dang project to make her software better. You know Uh what I'm saying? And so people just kind of make up these things. And, and so I felt so undervalued when the pandemic hit, I built six new virtual sales classes for the company because we didn't know how to sell online. You can't, Go to apartments when COVID immediately hit. So I had to literally teach the organization how to sell virtually. And here's how they repaid me, Vic. At the end of the year, they gave me 85% of my bonus. And that was the last straw. I said, you know what? Like, I'm out of here. I need to go blaze my own trail. I've got enough skill sets. I've been in sales and marketing 25 years. I've built an audience. Now it's, you know, almost 70,000 on a business platform doing a million views a quarter. I was like, I don't need them. But again, for years, I thought I did for years i thought what am i going to do if i'm not here until you know they diminished my value so much that it actually showed me where my value was and so man it's what would you say to folks that are getting started on the content creation journey you know maybe they look at a guy like you they're like man this guy's verified he's got 2 million on instagram he's verified like that could never be me he's got 200 and something on on or 700 something on TikTok. He's, he's built this audience, you know, and some people look at that and they say that is never attainable. What would you say to them? Because obviously it is because you've done it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, look, it's always attainable. I think what one, one man can do another man can do. Right. So I think I had to start somewhere. I didn't start with millions of followers. I started with just out content and I started with one follower and it grew and it grew and it grew. I think what I would probably tell people is, you know, you want to create an audience that has a reality or an affinity for what it is you authentically do. So I have an audience that I've built over years that authentically likes the fact that I just say what's on my mind and I'm not politically correct, right? And I call people out on their bullshit. And so I think that what I'm doing is I'm just documenting what's happening in my life on a day-to-day basis as opposed to manufacturing right i don't manufacture content and i think that's an important part like i think like whoever you are you ha- just have to be real there's an audience out there i mean there's 8 billion people on the planet right so you're going to have tens of thousands if not millions of people that have an affinity for what it is you do i think the audience though can see through the bullshit when you're not being real like you can perceive it they can perceive it they're not they're not dumb so they if they know somebody's manufacturing content and it's not really them. And they're not really saying who they are and what they think. People don't engage. You know, people 100%. don't engage. I, I, start, I literally was not on TikTok five months ago. And I'm almost at 800,000 followers and 8 million likes. It's huge. And that's just all, all organic, right? 100%. But, but I think I wouldn't have that sort of pull if I wasn't just being real. Like if I was yeah. being politically correct, which I'm not. I'm not a politically correct guy. So I not being real. And I'm not yeah. manufacturing content like, oh, okay, let's stage this thing and make it look like we're doing something we're not like, no, which literally like got a camera, we're shooting. This is what's going on in our life. Yeah, I'm handling this. Yeah, I'm doing with this. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. And and people, people appreciate that. So I think for the people that want to get started, I think they have to think with that, like just document what's real. If you're starting a business, document you starting a business.
1: Yep. Love it. Love it. So I've seen some content and I, I know you recently was interviewed by MD Motivator. You know, there's guys like Peter Bond. I'm, I think you've probably seen his content yep. and I've seen you do some similar things where it, it's so awesome and positive where, you know, someone's delivering something and you're giving them a nice note and you're, and you're blessing them with some amount of fun. So can you talk about, you know, why that's important to you to do that? And where did the idea come from? Is it, did you see someone do it? And you're like, man, like, why can't I do that? Why not me? Or did your team say, hey, should we try this? I'd really love just to kind of get the behind the scenes yeah. of where that all started.
0: Well, I mean, I've always done it. I've just never documented it, right? Like I'll I'd, I'd go to, you know, dinner or lunch and, you know, the waiter tells me about a story that, you know, dealing with and I'm, I'll give them a hundred bucks or 200 bucks, you know, on a $50 bill on a $50 tab, you know? or I would just do nice things, you know, like I bought my mother-in-law a brand new car or whatever, you know, I just do that. And I never really documented that stuff. So then I started seeing videos of people documenting and I'm like, okay, I might as well just document it. So then we're just, like, okay, well, how do we document? Oh, well, let's, well, let's just look, Hey, it was, I want to give something away. So let's just give it away. Let's give it to this guy. And we, we would find people that were actually in need. They, you know, they weren't, they weren't like just, you know, they're doing well and driving a $80,000 SUV. And it's like, Hey, here's a hundred bucks. Like we, we literally look for people that, were in need, and then we found them, and we would just reward them, and it would just—it was a game changer. Like one guy, you know, we we gave five hundred dollars to, then he told me that he was two months behind on his car payment. I gave him another five hundred bucks. He kept his car. We actually saw him. Somebody saw him like a month ago. He kept. He was able to keep his car, and he was able to still work for for Uber because That's you know, extra awesome. cash. So those types of things are just kind of you know, they're really special and cool, and I always enjoy doing surprising things for people that I that I love and care about I do it every single day you just don't get to see it because that we don't yeah. can't record all of it but yeah I do a lot for other people and I don't record it so then you know and you get the haters that are like oh why are you recording I'm like well dude we want to show by example maybe that will get other people to do it again
1: hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and because again, yeah, you see it and you're like, man, like I feel bad. Like I should be doing more, you know, like you, it hits your heart, right? It pulls on those heartstrings. And especially if you're a servant leader, if you've got empathy and you're kind human, which are all qualities that I think people should have, yeah. then yeah, it's going to tug on your heartstrings a little bit. And you're like, man, like, maybe I want to want to give somebody, right. It, it kind of yep. plants the seed and that's yes. what it's all about is it's planting seeds, right? Yep. Everything you do is planting seeds. It's planting seeds. It's planting seeds and whether or not people decide to move with that, it's up to them.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Maybe it gets somebody else to go. And it, and it did, like when we gave, we did the giving videos. Every time we do them, we'll get people that will send me a picture on social media of cash. They gave one person did notes for like eight people and gave $20 because it's all they could afford. And they went and gave eight people $20 each. I mean, it's, you know, dude, that's like you the ripple effect it creates is huge.
1: Love it. Love it. As we're kind of wrapping up here, man, I'd, I'd love to hear from you. How is it being a Tampa celebrity? Now, I guarantee you, wherever you go, there's people that recognize you from TikTok or Instagram or LinkedIn or any of that. Do you have people that run into you and they're like, oh, Vic, love your videos? Or, hey, man, can I get a you know, picture? Is, is that at really... Transpired since you've been putting out so much content?
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's happening a lot more and more every day now. Like just yesterday, I was at the gym and two people came up to me, and one guy was like, Hey, I recognize you from your neck tattoo. I've been following you for a while, blah, blah, blah. Then he walked away, and another guy walked up. And so, yeah, it's definitely happening a lot. I mean, it's happening now weekly. I went to Miami. My wife and I, two weekends ago, I was in the Louis Vuitton store and this kid walks up to me. He's like, hey man, I follow you on TikTok. Love your stuff. Super inspiring. So, you know, it's very flattering and, and all that. And it's it's just, to me, it's just, a, it's a kind of a nice acknowledgement because I'm here all day long and I'm working and I'm in the studio and we're shooting and shooting and shooting. And I'm literally in my bubble, you know, I'm mean, leave this bubble. I get in my car, I drive to my house, I go to eat or whatever. So I'm not, you know, I'm not a party guy. I'm not out partying and shit. Where it's like, yeah, you know, I get to see a lot of people. So when I do get acknowledged, it's 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 kind of it's nice, you know. It's like, wow, okay, cool. This stuff's working, right? Because because what I yep. hear, what I love is, you know, like this one guy at the gym. He was just like, hey man, you know, I'm in the real estate business, but I really want to get into healthcare. And now that I'm watching your stuff, I'm like, I'm going to start a, an adult living facility, you know. And he's now going to branch out into that because of the videos that he saw for me talking about healthcare, So that to me is really rewarding, really cool, like that I get to see that, you know, so, which I love because it's not like, oh, hey, I saw your pose, cool car. Yeah, I get that too, but it's like, yeah. you're actually making a difference and getting people to start to shift in terms of, of where they're looking to put their money. It's huge, man. Yeah. Like, that, to me, yeah, that's man. Fine. like, dude, you, you're listening to me. No one fucking listened to me five years ago, bro. <laughs> like nobody listened yep. to me. Five years ago nobody somebody called me the other day and they were like, Yeah, you know, I was swimming upstream. Like for seven years, you know, I'm telling everybody sleep testing, oh, you know, it's it's the sleep is where it's at. You gotta, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, mile's gonna nah, it's not gonna work. now nah, it's not gonna work. now nah, it's not gonna work. Now nah, it's not gonna work. Nah, now work. nah, fucking works. Now nah, it's obvious it fucking works, right? But five years ago, yeah. like nobody nobody listened listen to me.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah, I feel I feel that way too. Like you know, before 2019, nobody knew who the heck I was, right? But and then as you start to build an audience, you, you're consistent, you're active, yeah. you put in the work. Now I, I go places, they're like, hey, I, I've seen you on LinkedIn. And I'm like, yeah. you know, and it's like, you know, it's not the sexiest place to be found in 2022, but at the same time, I'm doing my job, right? People are recognizing me, they see me, and they're like, hey, I, I see what you're doing. You know, thank you for putting that out. That video was great. That podcast was great. And it does mean a lot, right? It's meaningful yeah. that it's because I feel like I'm like a nobody. I'm like just I'm a regular guy with five kids, bro. Like I'm not cool. I'm not special. But I appreciate the acknowledgement, right? It's nice when someone says it. It makes you feel good about the work that you're putting in. Cause like you said, man, it's a grind. Like you're in your element and then you go somewhere like to Miami and, and a kid tells you how much your content means to them.
0: Yeah. You know about the event next year, right? I don't. Okay, so I'm just real quick. So uh next year in June, I'm putting on my first ever event. It's going to be called Rise. Rise Conference, Rise Con 2023. 25 of the, the top A-listers in the world are going to be here in Tampa. Uh awesome. speak 3-day weekend, June 15th, 16th and 17th. Or is that I think yeah, is it June 15th, 16th? Yeah, I think it's June June 15th for sure, but it's three-day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I can't tell you the list, the the names of the speakers yet until we release them in in November, but tickets are going to go on sale in November, and it's going to be one of the biggest business networking events in the world.
1: I'll be there, my friend. It it sounds awesome.
0: Huge. It's going to be gigantic.
1: Very cool, man. So You're
0: going to know know pretty much all the the speakers are are A-listers.
1: Awesome, man. Well, i 'm excited to, to learn more about that and i 'd love for you to just tell everyone where you want them, you know whether that 's platform your website, any of that the best place you want them to go and, and do more diligence and research on you because there's going to be people that listen to this. There's so much value. There's so much wisdom. And man, your story is inspiring, you know, from being in England and then having to come, you know, to England to Florida, like that in itself, is, is it's, it's a crap show, right? You're, you're an English guy in, in a, basically like a surfing town. And now you got to get acclimated to this. And then you, you're living in a hotel and, and, and then almost bank. I mean, there's so many things that, you've done. And, and the thing that I can say is that you're like a rhino, right? Rhinos have tough skin. They've got tunnel vision. They put their head down and they just charge forward. And so kudos to you for all the success, but I, it's not an accident, right? Success leaves clues and, and you've definitely put in the rep. So where's that number one place you want the audience to go and find Vic?
0: Well, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. I mean, you can find me anywhere, man. TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest, whatever. And I'll tell you that I do try to get to all my messages. So if you do message me a question man I I'll definitely try to respond within 24 to 48 hours and it, it is actually me responding if it's not me responding my assistant will res- will say it's my assistant but I definitely try to get to the messages so feel free to message me and you know let me know how how you enjoy the content and if there's questions that you guys that have and content you'd like to see about certain things in business or healthcare just just you know hit me up in the DM or in comments let me know we'll, we'll definitely take that that feedback and, and create content with it.
1: Love it, man. Love it. Well you're definitely a trailblazer, my friend. Let's go ahead and and do a cheers for you. Let's cheers guys for Vic. What a rock star this guy is. He is a true trailblazer. Vic, any parting words for the audience?
0: No man, just look, just I hope if anything, you know, my my legacy is like just just never quit. You know, never give up, no matter your background, whether you have a degree, don't have a degree, came from a rich family, poor family, whatever your scenarios in life, like you can always change it. You can always change it. Even today, you could be 45 years old, 55 years old, and you can still change the trajectory of your life. You just got to make a decision and and just, just go for it.
1: Love it, man. And I, I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up till I was 39. I think you said 38 in in uh, some yeah. content somewhere. So, so yeah, that, that that's a true testament, right? That like you don't have to have it all figured out because there's a plenty of 50 and 60-year-olds that are still trying to figure it out. They're still out there fumbling around and trying to figure yeah. out the what trail they're going to blaze. He started,
0: he started KFC when he was 60.
1: Yep. Morgan Freeman didn't start acting until he was in his 50s, right? I mean, yeah, there's so many stories of people that decided to blaze their own trail a little bit later in life. But I appreciate your time, brother. Thanks so much for being on the Blaze Your Own Trail podcast and keep blazing your own trail.
0: You too, man. Thanks so much, Jordan. Really appreciate it, man.